Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Let's break some of that down. Let's wrap to our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker of the sci- of the scientific method of dallascowboys.com for the scientific method. Let's do it. I mean, Pat, you are of the scientific method, but from dallascowboys.com. Hey, you, you are wrong, right? <laughs> no, we're not wrong. <laughs> Just worded it wrong. Good morning, good brother. What's up, my friend? How, how you doing, man, after this, this marvelous victory? And I don't care what anybody say. I don't care if it was ugly, if it was gritty, not pretty. It was a marvelous victory. How are we feeling on this Thursday? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, um, this week's uh, segment of the Science Lab drops in one hour from now, give or take. And, um, I mean, I'll go ahead and spoil the title for you guys. Make sure you go and read it anyway. But the title of it is Win Ugly, Win Pretty, Just Go Win. And that's basically how I felt coming out of Los Angeles. You know, the Cowboys sooner or later were going to have to prove that they could win a close game. I mean, they blew out the first two opponents. You lose to Arizona, you come back, you bounce back, and you, you know, have been Bill Belichick the worst loss of his coaching career. And then you suffer the worst loss of uh, Mike McCarthy's coaching career. But through none of those games, including Arizona, none of those games were particularly close. I mean, Arizona was close up until I think the middle of the second quarter. Then you know they kind of started running away with that and demoralizing yeah. the Cowboys. But this is the first game, you know, the one against the Chargers, wherein the Cowboys found themselves in a back alley brawl for the entirety of the game. As a matter of fact, even before the game, with the pregame antics, you know, a little bit of scuffle going on between the two teams. And, I mean, that set the tone for the whole afternoon, the whole evening, I should say. So, you know, kudos to the Cowboys. They, they stepped in and got the job done. They showed that uh, this is not the Jason Garrett Cowboys. I mean, when – because I, I, I know a lot of people were saying when Trevor – not Trevor Lewis, I'm sorry. When Justin Herbert got the ball back, they were like, oh, here we go. And Michael Parsons got that offside, and they were like, oh, yep, here we go. Mike was like, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, nah. And then Gilmore was like, yeah, nah. Nah, nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> so kudos to those boys for getting, kudos to those boys for getting it done. Hey, you talked about that scuffle. Uh, the sounds of the sidelines drop, and, and those boys, if, it seemed like the scuffle kind of got them fired up. Uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence was pissed off after that, and you saw this defense go out there and again aid against these numbers that are happening across the league. So, if it takes that, I, look, if it takes that, everybody's saying this right now about the Cowboys be the villain, then I'm not saying go out there and, and, and be no, I am saying this go out there and be the bully. People get mad, I was gonna at, say, yeah, people hey. get mad at Trent. Yeah, no, don't. I don't care, go out there if you got to go, you know, get in front of a kicker. Why he's kicking? If you got to go out there and, and mug mug the uh, the running back in Austin Eckler, do it, man. Set that tone early. Yeah, I'm with that. And and after the scuffle happened, I mean, I tweeted. I was like, this is this is the energy I'm here for. Like, this is what we're talking about. This is what I want. I mean, go out there and be the bad guy. No more, Mister Nice Guy. Mister Nice Guy has has gotten you a 28 year Super Bowl drought. No more, Mister Nice Guy. Embrace the villain role. Lean into it completely. Just go full. Heath Ledger Joker, right? Some people just want to watch the world burn, mm-hmm. right? So 
uh, and I love that after the scuffle, you, like you said, uh, in Thousand the Sideline, what Tank said, you know, he was like, they got to get it now. They got to get it. They got to get right? it. Right, for the disrespect. So, you know, and Tank went out there and, and had another another great game as far as him and that run defense and protecting the edge and disrupting plays. And, I mean, they, they it was it was wonderful. Could it have been better? Yes, it could have been. It could have been better as far as, you know, got to get rid of those penalties. Please. Please, yeah. for the love of everything that is holy, stop getting flagged. <laughs> Please. But yeah. to be able to overcome that type of adversity um, and still have the game close on the road against an, an offensive coordinator that is very familiar with your defensive coordinator and your defense, and he still, Kellen Moore, still ended up taking the L because at the end of the day, playmakers are asked to make plays and Michael Parsons stepped up, and Stephon Gilmore stepped up, and, you know, those guys, they just they got the job done. And Dak Prescott stepped up, best game of the season for him, hell of a bounce-back game for him after yep. one of, after the worst game of the season against the 49ers. So, yeah, Dak willed the offense uh, to, to production, and then the defense took care of the rest. Pat, I always ask you about the vibes around the team because you, you are there, and, and I said this about you yesterday, man, you – you have a, such a, an immense respect in that locker room, in that building, that you're able, in my opinion, uh, to, to gain an edge on knowing what's going on around there more than maybe anybody there, just because of the respect you have with those players and coaches. So that's why I think it's important for me to ask you these questions, because you can give us some insight here. But what is the, what was the vibe like on that plane ride back, or what is the vibe like in that building this week being 4-2 and two, instead of 3-3 three and three on a two-game slot? Well, you know, the funny thing is is when Stephon Gilmore picked off that ball and sealed the game, you saw Mike McCarthy throw both arms up and celebrate. You saw Dak hit him with the fish. But when you get when you got through the locker room and you got back on the plane, it was business as usual. Everybody was pretty much buttoned up. You had half the guys uh, had their tablets out watching film. And the other guys were asleep because, I mean, that was an emotionally and physically exhausting game that they mm-hmm. had just played. But, I mean, it, it wasn't popping bottles. It wasn't high-fiving. No. It wasn't a lot of, you know, playing around. Like, guys were, you know, on their – they were watching film of that game. I think we might have Pat going underneath the tunnel here. Pat, you go, you're going yeah, in and out. You got me? Got you now. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I mean it was it was business as usual by the time everybody got on the plane, and then uh, in the building this week, you know, I had some conversations with uh, when the players weren't there because the players had gone for the bye week, but I had conversations with some assistant coaches like Al Harris and Curday, Robert Prince, just a lot of these different assistant coaches, and the tone was very business as usual as far as you know a little bit. Be honest, there's a little bit of sigh relief. One particular coach, or one coach in particular, I can say that way. One coach in particular, I, I jokingly walked up to him, and I was like, thank you for saving me from two weeks of hearing about, you know, all oh, the Cowboys on two-game losing streak, they're pretenders, et cetera, et cetera, just kind of jokingly, half-jokingly, I should say. And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he was like, you and me both, man. <laughs> so, so a little bit of a sigh of relief, which kind of goes to what Dak Prescott was saying when he said, you know, shit, yeah, this was a must win. Yeah. Those those guys knew exactly how important that game was. But, yeah, it's, it's back to business as usual. 100%. Uh, so, I didn't really hear – you're not going to hear too much because it's the bye week, but maybe you, you kind of are 
uh, plugged in down there, and you can maybe give us shed some light on the injury situation. Um, was anyone nicked up coming out of this game that hasn't really been has been told to the public yet? There was nothing that has been reported coming out of that game. Nothing that was reported during the game, after the game, or at any point this week uh, up to us having this conversation. Okay. So I, I presume that the Cowboys came out completely clean as far as not suffering any new injuries. Uh, and if there's any, if there are any that are small that might have been suffered in that game, I mean, that they have two weeks to recover from that. But obviously it's nothing that requires them to kind of put it out person is dealing with this or this person is dealing with that. I'll say for that will be next week. I mean, we won't have an injury report again until next week. Right. So if there were, if there is anyone that came out, you know, with a little bit of a nick um, from the Chargers game, I mean, we won't know about it until next Wednesday when the first injury report comes out. But just, you know, me having conversations with people, uh, sounds like they came out fairly clean, which is a, a big win going into the bye week. Great news to hear. Now, there was a particular young player going into the game that popped up on the injury report, I believe, Friday maybe. Uh, and Wanye Thomas, I believe it was a hamstring situation, and we kind of saw him limping. Is there any further updates on, on Wanye's situation, and, and do you feel like maybe possibly he could return for that Rams game? I think he has a good shot at returning. Um, and I think he, he popped up as early as last Thursday. Thursday, okay. And because it was kind of a yeah, kind of a surprise, and um, then I saw him in the rehab group, and then after practice on Thursday, I caught up with him in the locker room. Um, and because the injury had, report hadn't come out yet, and so I was trying to figure out what the injury was and where it came from. Uh, and he told me it was a hamstring, and he said that um, he well, I didn't he didn't say that he wasn't going to play, but he intimated that it didn't look good because when I asked him, I said, hey, so how do you look for Monday? Are we still going to have you out there? And he was like, eh, I don't know. I was like, okay. And then that made sense when you looked at the injury report, uh, DMP on Thursday, DMP on Friday, and then Saturday he was listed as doubtful, which carried the tone of my tweets when it came to Wanye when people were asking, well, are you going to play? And I was like, it's not looking too good. Now, I will say it doesn't sound like it's a severe uh, hamstring injury, so he has a great chance as we have this conversation of going through the bye week, getting that extra week of rest, and being back on the field when they host the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but, of course, the Cowboys are going to have to test it. He's going to start out likely in the rehab group next Wednesday, and they'll see if they can put him in a limited capacity. And if he is good to go there, then he should be all set. Excellent. We got Patrick Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com. If you're not familiar, uh, he is one of the host co-hosts on the panel of Cowboys Break, right? So I've yeah. got a couple questions that I want to talk about the Cowboys at the break. All right, you see that there? Play on words. Mm, look at that. At That's the break. I, I, now tell Derek. T- tell ball. Derek. Look, man. I ain't say Cowboys break. I said at the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We good. I got. It. I got. It. I got. It. It's covered. It's covered. Good. <laughs> what would you like to see more coming out of the bye week? Explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Now that's low hanging fruit. So let me let me specify a little bit more. I want to see the Cowboys start to exploit the deep middle of the field. Yeah, man. I almost jumped out of my seat in that press box when I saw uh, that 23-yard connection down the middle of the field, 20-plus yards down the middle of the field. Still, when I tell you that is literally the first 20-plus yard um, pass completion and pass attempt this season by the Cowboys. You know how troubling that is? 
to to ask. I mean, like, look at that means you're only forcing the opposing secondary to cover two thirds of the field, and that goes to one of the main reasons why they're having issues with locating explosiveness is because I feel like they swung the pendulum too far to the left and yeah. said, "Well, Dak Prescott had 15 interceptions," and we know that's not normally Dak Prescott, but where most of them come from, oh. You know, lack of timing, middle of the field with CD Lamb and things like that. So they completely stopped attacking the middle of the field. I want to see them get back to that. I really do. I also want to see what we saw in Los Angeles with with Dak's mobility, using his legs. Let's mix in some run pass options. Uh, you know, you got an 18 yard touchdown off of that because Dak has the ability to do that. 11 yard gain, a run first down, uh, escape the sack, a would be sack, fought time for Tony Pollard to get open, dump it off to Tony, he takes it and makes it a 60-yard play. So those are the two biggest things. I know cleanup penalties, that's an easy fix. Just fix that by not committing penalties. But when it comes to what needs a concerted effort, the concerted effort for me has to go with uh, attack the deep middle. Dak needs to use his legs more. Those are the two main things I want to see happen that I feel like is more of a scheme thing than yeah. Looking at an individual player and saying, "Hey, don't line up offside." Let me let me run this by you for ideas to attack that. Uh, two two things we we've seen Dak throughout his career be a guy that loves to hit the tight end on those seam routes, uh, and it used to be the same way with CD Lamb too. But I think teams now are, are becoming used to seeing CD Lamb if he doesn't go in motion and he's in that slot nine times out of ten he he'll run the seam and they'll just bracket him with two or three guys. But with the tight end, you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones down there. So maybe taking some more shots up the seam to the tight end. And then the other one would be, let's see some more deep overs or some some deep digs, you know, some dagger route concepts where we, we run off that safety and we send CeeDee Lamb or Brandon Cooks deep into the middle of the field and we can hit them on those crossing routes. But those are kind of two things that I'd be interested to, to see them do more of in regards to attacking the middle of the field. What do you think? Oh, 100%. And I think that, I feel like there needs to be compromise until they come off of the anxiety that exists with the deep middle part of the field. And I think the, the main thing to do there is you utilize Jake Ferguson and utilize uh, Luke Schoolmaker. I realize Schoolmaker's still trying to get his NFL legs. Also, keep in mind, this is a, a rookie who didn't have training camp at all for the most part. So give him a moment. Um, but Jake Ferguson, he's already, you know, leveled up. You're seeing this in a big way. He's leveled up his, his route running. If you go back and look at the film from the Chargers game, although he wasn't targeted often, which was kind of uh, anomalous from the previous three games when he was targeted fairly heavily, um, go back and look at that Chargers film. He was open a lot, particularly down the middle. So that's an area that I think should be exploited using Jake Ferguson. And let that happen to allow the comfort to start setting in with Mike McCarthy to say, you know what, the deep middle is really not the boogeyman that we maybe thought it was. So now you can start utilizing C.D. Lamb on those deep posts and, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks on those deep posts and things like that. So I think, yeah, you've you got to nail down. Let's use those tight ends down the seam, which is something that we really haven't seen uh, in this offense just yet this year. Use that as a stabilizing force. It's kind of the security blanket to say, hey, man, that's really not the boogeyman. That we, you know, we need to attack that because it's, it's open. Yeah, one more before I get you going here. You're at the break unsung hero for this team? Uh, I I want to go with Marquise Bell, but I'm going to go with Osa Odigizu. Mm. And, and that's because, yeah, that's because Osa 
has leveled up exponentially over last year, which was an exponential level up over the previous year. Like the amount of improvement that he continues to show on a year-to-year basis, month-to-month basis, game-to-game basis is unbelievable. And it's overshadowed only by the fact that he plays on a defensive line with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. If, If not for Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, Osa Odigizuwa would be a headline name in the NFL. His disruptions are some of the best in the league. He's top three, I believe, in stuffing the run. He's top five in getting in the opposing backfield. He's one of the team leaders in sacks. Uh, He's a team leader in pressures, and he does all of this from the defensive interior. This is – I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. That's not what I'm saying. But his performance is very – Aaron Donald-esque. So for me, it's definitely Osa because a lot of people are starting to realize, but they should have realized already that this guy is something special. And his work ethic just makes it that much better. Oh, I got more on Osa a little bit later, but you're absolutely right. And if you guys haven't checked out, uh, go listen to what Coach AD said about him, and, and we'll actually play that a little bit later. But appreciate you, Pat. I know you got to get going here, man. Um, you said that your science lab is dropping 10 a.m. today, right? Yeah, scheduled to drop 10 a.m., give or take. I'll have to double-check and make sure that they drop that on time. But it'll be out this morning, and I'll drop it on Twitter. So make sure you, ladies and gentlemen, check that out. Your double dose of science. You get the scientific method, you can get the science lab. Patrick Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com. Appreciate you, brother. Always, my friend. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Fire emojis for our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker. You know, we are getting really good at being able to get some good stuff out of Pat in a, in a 15 minute increment. I, I, I apologize. I kind of spoiled y'all a little bit when we first was doing this. Me and Pat were going 25, 30 minutes. And then we we kind of knew the season would come and, and he had some other obligations. But I think we're doing a pretty damn good job being able to get some good things out of Pat, um, you know, prior to him doing the things he needs to do down there for .com. Appreciate y'all for sticking around. Thanks for watching and make sure to follow and subscribe to A to Z Dallas so you don't miss an episode of The Scientific Method every Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube with every episode available on A to Z Sports.com.